Hey everyone, this is the Story X Story podcast. We talk about stories from film, television, comics, and video games. Stick around for great conversations on stories we love and tips on creating your own. It's episode four on Wednesday, the 24th of July, and I'm your host, Lau. Maya Mada, co-founder. And I'm uh, the other co-founder and also um, slowly melting, Nigel. Uh, I'm the show's producer, Gina, and I'm also a freelance artist and I'm also melting as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's kick things off and find out what's happening in the Maya Mada universe before we all completely, like, just melt. Yeah, it is <laughs> hot in London. <laughs> So it's pretty much the height of summer. Um, I think they're saying that tomorrow is going to be the hottest day ever in the UK. And we're also well into our summer events tour. We recently had Gamepad and there was Hyper Japan. uh, Almost feels like a week ago, but it was actually a little bit longer than that. Um, So I'm going to just hand over. Nigel, what else is coming up? Uh, so I guess just to really touch on that um, Hyper Japan thing because that was a an interesting experience. So mm, that's true. Uh, yeah. So I mean, people following us will know that we've been exhibiting at Hyper Japan for uh, a good few years now. I think since uh, definitely since 2014, because that's mm. when the Samurai Chef came out. Um, but this was the first year we had a booth and we had a booth to run like gamepad activities so that just means we had video games set up we had connect four which was a surprise hit of the weekend i think Mm. um and what else did we have oh yeah our comics obviously manga stuff all that stuff that we do um so yeah that was a yeah interesting experience definitely learned a lot from that week uh that weekend and kind of the weeks leading up to it like setting things up, um, getting the people together. Um, so yeah, just like thanks to everyone who did come. If you're one of those people and you're listening to this, thank you. Um, hopefully we can do something like that at future Hyper Japans. Um, and either way, we've obviously got our next game pair coming up after summer. But in terms of um, in the summer, it's pretty much workshops from here to the end of summer. So we're in a situation where we've got no conventions books, like as things stand on, what did you say, 24th of July, uh, we have no conventions books. So what I'm thinking is that um, it'll be a good chance for us to kind of uh, work on our convention strategy and presentation and all that. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm just going to be doing a, a bunch of workshops around London, different boroughs in London with young people, and um, yeah, come back in the autumn slash winter with um, hopefully a new a new look, Maya Mada at conventions. I don't know what that means, but it sounds intriguing. So I'm just going to let that let that Marry. sit. Yeah, yeah, yeah let that sit. Um, apart from that, over the summer, we will be working on our next manga, which seems a while ago. We got the 
Kickstarter sort of launched and successful, uh, we had a few delays in the process, but obviously at the time the Kickstarter, the story's written, uh, now it's just the artwork and all the other rewards. So we're going to be just yeah going through that. We literally just spoken with our artists, had a review call. Um, so people on Kickstarter can expect to see some artwork from the pages uh, in the next, I think within the next week, um, some initial sketches. Uh, they'll be coming out later for everyone else, but obviously you want to get it to those Kickstarter backers first and let them know, you know, how things are looking. And yeah, then sort of Patreon and then uh, general social media. Sounds pretty cool. I think we'll kind of park that for now and uh, we'll move on to the next segment. Um, now, normally we would have uh, a special guest, but unfortunately, um, Wulong, who's going to be on our show today, was unavailable. So we'd like to just send uh, apologies on their behalf. They uh, weren't able to make it, but we should be having them on another show soon. So just stay tuned and we'll let you guys know when that is. Okay, so we're going to go into our discussion. And this time we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, as always, we have to give you a spoiler alert because... Um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the movie unfiltered and there are just things that, you know, we'd love to get into. And yeah, if you haven't seen the film, then this is probably going to ruin it for you. So yeah, go watch it and then come back. (laughs) Yeah. The usual pause, watch, come back, continue warning that goes out at this stage. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I'm just going to hand over to you, Nigel, because, uh, to be honest, <laughs> I enjoyed the film, but I can't remember what happened. Well, I can, but I think you could do a better recap than I, so... Yeah. Alright, so, yeah, I guess we're going to go into our quick takes, but for Lau and uh, everyone else who might have forgotten some of the details, uh, I'll just recap the story, and then we'll get into a discussion about it. So, Spider-Man Far From Home... Um, so in New York City, the Midtown School of Science and Technology restarts its academic year to accommodate students who are resurrected in what people are calling the blip. They organize a two-week summer trip to Europe where Peter Parker, still distraught over Tony Stark's death, plans to confess his feelings for MJ. At a fundraiser organized by Aunt May, Peter is warned by Happy that Nick Fury will be in contact with him, but Peter chooses to ignore Fury's call. He later leaves the fundraiser after being overwhelmed by questions about Tony Stark. While in Vellis, Peter and his group are caught in the chaos caused by the water elemental, but a Quinton Beck arrives to destroy the creature. Now shown to be working with S.H.I.E.L.D., Beck reveals he is from a different reality, one among many in the multiverse. He also claims that his Earth and family were destroyed by the elementals. Peter rejects Fury's call to arms against the Elementals and rejoins his friends. But Fury covertly redirects the school's trip's next stop to be Prague, where the Fire Elemental is projected to strike. It appears at a carnival, but Mysterio, or Beck, with Peter, or the Night Monkey's help, destroys it. 
Peter Hans Beck, the Edith glasses, previously owned by Tony Stark and meant for his successor. Now, along with glasses, Beck is revealed to be a former holographic illusion specialist at Stark Industries, who was fired for his unstable nature. He and a team of disgruntled ex-Stark employees have been simulating the elemental attacks to project Mysterio as a massive hero. Back at the trip, MJ figures out that Peter is Spider-Man just before they both discover one of Beck's projectors, leading them to realise Mysterio is a fraud. Mysterio plans to use Edith to orchestrate his biggest delusion yet, a fusion of all four elementals, using it as cover to kill MJ and any others who she, to whom she might reveal his secret. Still recovering from a near-fatal running with Mysterio, but in a new suit, Peter breaks through his illusion and using his Peter Tingle, defeats Beck, who is killed by a misfired drone gunshot. Peter returns to New York City and begins a relationship with MJ. The end. Or is it? Mm. Or is it? And that's yeah. why you should stay after the credits. A lot that of is people why didn't do that. Some stuff happened. Went. There's actually mm. some impactful after credit scenes mm. in the story. But I guess we're going to get into that. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll do uh, some quick takes, quick impressions before we get into more detail. Um, Nigel, what did you think of this thing? Um, so I, so I thought it was, I really enjoyed it, but it took me a while. So I had a, I had a moment, um, well, a long moment in the film where I was kind of like not sure if this was good or not, uh, and I'll explain that. So because when you're introduced to Quentin Beck uh, or Mysterio. He's obviously presented as a good guy, a really nice guy, and almost like a sort of a, another mental figure for Peter. Mm. Um, but for those who know about Mysterio, um, and I learned a lot while watching the uh, cartoons in the 90s, we know Mysterio's a bad guy. So I was kind of like, are they just changing this character, or is there something to be revealed? So... It wasn't up until, yeah, it wasn't until the midpoint where Beck is re- revealed to be um, who he is that things started to click for me. Because up until that point, it was kind of, I don't know, I guess easy. Things were happening easy. Um, the elementals were coming. They were being defeated. And there were things were just progressing a bit too easily. But I guess that was, that was the point. So once uh, Beck was revealed to like, his true nature... Then, like for me, that's when all right, everything's clicking, and uh, I know what's happening. I just enjoyed it. Mm. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I, let me just tell you now. I totally forgot, like about the cartoon. Oh, you forgot? <laughs> I forgot. So I. That's not I like you forward. to forget. You usually remember old nineties cartoons. He wasn't my favorite um, bad guy in the cartoons. Uh, my favorite bad guys were Kingpin. Why haven't they used Kingpin yet, in okay. fact? What on earth? What's going on? Anyway, bygones, whatever. Well, um, so... in the MCU, but he is in the Netflix yeah. um, series. But they should have put him shows. in. I don't know. Like, they should, I reckon they should still use him in the Spider-Man series. But anyway, my, so yeah, it was kind of like the Kingpins, that guy with the lion main thing on his chair. I've forgotten his name. Um, obviously, your Carnage, your Venoms, um, the uh, vampire dude. I don't even know the names. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know the characters, right? Yeah, and I just yeah. forgot the Shocker guy, um, Sandman, obviously the Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, even 
and yeah, Green Goblin. And Green Goblin. And um, so pretty much what you're saying is like Mysterio's way down on. He's just not. He just list. didn't register. So when when he was revealed, I just thought he was just another a hero. I thought he was a hero from Marvel. Oh, wait, so you you totally forgot. I wait, totally you forgot the character forgot. existed at all? Not just that he was yes. a villain. Yes, oh. I forgot. So oh, it was wow. only at the end when it clicked, and I was like, oh wait, no, he's he's because obviously when you look at him, he's got the bull head. But I just it just didn't click. Yeah. And I think Endgame and everything that's happened in the MCU just kind of erased all that memory. I don't know. Like, I just thought, oh my goodness, there's a shortage of heroes. Here's a new hero. Oh, this is cool. I think they'd make a great team. And I really did. I thought they were a cool team. So, <laughs> so I got yeah, caught out. Well together. But I guess my quick take is that I just I enjoyed the film like from start to finish. It was a cool film. And, and the way I liked, looked at it, and the way I like to look at it, is that it was a bookend to the whole MCU. So I didn't take it as as something that um, you know, needed to be anything too spectacular. In fact, um, and we can kind of talk about this more in the detail. But I think Marvel did a pretty smart thing by releasing this film when they did. Um, but we can get into that. So that that's yeah. my kind of quick take. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like Mysterio fans might be thinking less of you right now. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> what can what can you do? Yeah. Um. I mean, he is pretty cool. I thought he was cool. Um. And I I thought it was well, well portrayed. Um. I don't know how close to the source, um, his character was in terms of, like, backstory and all that jazz. I'd I'd like yeah. to. Think- I'd like to think they probably took some creative license because I don't remember him having yeah. anything to do with Iron Man. No, uh, I think that was some creative license. I I, uh, I guess we can fact check this, but uh, from what I remember, he the whole sort of disgruntled guy looking to prove himself as a hero and project himself as a hero, um, like instead of Spider Man or project Spider Man as a villain, uh, is kind of true to true to source. So he's always been that kind of. Uh, character um, who mm. doesn't actually have any powers but wants to project himself as uh, a big hero mm. yeah and they, they did that well I, I always find those kind of characters very interesting in films um, not not so much the characters who want to project themselves as heroes but characters that really have no superpowers at all but still kind of give the superheroes a run for their money um, okay yeah because then it kind of changes their approach because obviously you can't go up against spider-man with with brute force mm-hmm. so it changes the kind of approach and makes for an interesting dynamic between hero and villain yeah yeah definitely definitely actually that's one of the reasons i think kingpin's so scary all right you're really like pushing for this put kingpin in the mcu yeah 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 <laughs> have you and seen I... um you haven't seen any of the daredevil no, I haven't. Okay, because he's yeah, he's really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, is he really, really big, good. like in the cartoon in this one? Not that big, but physically imposing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've, that... they've captured the spirit well. Okay, cool. I might have to check that out. Might have to check that out. Cool. Well, all right. Let me ask you this: Which villain is better? Do you prefer Mysterio? from this film or Vulture from Homecoming? Uh, so I feel like 
it's interesting. I was listening to or reading something though that kind of brought up those two villains and how uh, I didn't even pick this up uh, on first watch, but because Iron Man was very heavy on this film, even though Tony Stark is no longer with us in the MCU, but um, both Vulture and Mysterio are kind of products of Tony Stark's, I guess, bad behavior in a way, or his mistakes. Um, mm. So obviously with Vulture, uh, you've got uh, him having to sort of clean up after uh, after Tony and uh, and being slighted in that way, and then sort of Mysterio being uh, like let go and becoming disgruntled that way. So both like directly related to Tony and something that uh, Peter Parker is having to clean up. So um, yeah, I kind of thought that was an interesting kind of parallel between them. And as to which I prefer, I feel I actually feel like. Vulture was maybe the better villain story-wise. Uh, Mysterio had the better effects, I guess. But you'd expect mm. that from someone whose whole thing is around illusion and projecting uh, a false reality. But uh, just with the Vulture, you had that kind of human connection. Uh, and I felt like he was one of the sort of best villains in the MCU just because his motivations are so uh, tied to... Uh, the, like Peter, like personally, and uh, Tony Stark, and on a human level, you just understood, like you could relate to that uh, villain more. Uh, but mm. yeah, they were both good. Yeah, yeah, I, I gotta give you that. He was a lot more uh, relatable on those levels, and also, um, my man is just a great actor as well and his name's just popped out of my head which is oh quite... michael keaton yeah man yeah, yeah. michael keaton yeah, yeah he also acted yeah yeah really well in that he's good he does villain well although you know i, I prefer him in the in the bat suit but hey whatever <laughs> um he, but he does do villain quite well um yeah he's got that uh holding personal grudge face mm. i don't know what that is exactly but he he had it. You felt his animosity towards just oh, yeah. pretty much everyone. Yeah. But I will I think... say like Jake Gyllenhaal did uh did a really good job, especially like I said, after the midpoint when sort of Mysterio's true nature was revealed and then really like you saw the um a bit of the weird nightcrawlerness of him from mm. um, his character from Nightcrawler sort of come out a little bit, but he played that really well. He was fantastic for me. And I'll be honest, he it, probably because of just him <laughs> as an actor i yeah. i just found him like yeah just the more favorable of the two uh but i have to admit his storyline was kind of flat um you know just very typical stuff you know oh i was in the shadows and now i'm going to show you and everyone that i am the best like okay it was it's quite it was quite flat but um he still kind of brought that <laughs> flavor to life in yeah, a way that yeah. you were kind of like yeah i kind of like this guy <laughs> you just wanted um, to like what watch him play the character exactly yeah yeah i get that um, so yeah i mean i i kind of i kind of gravitate more to mysterio for that and also just the way in which he really got spider-man up against the wall man like to be honest um spider-man was done like you know as far as i'm concerned like he really and and it was wasn't even in a kind of what's it 
contrived way. Like it genuinely felt like, you know, he's not going to be able to beat this guy. Oh, what you felt that like he kind of had him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I really did. I really, I really did feel like Spider-Man was pretty much stuffed in this film. Um, and for a number of reasons, because obviously he got played, Spider-Man's still growing up, he's still really Spider-Boy, that's a really yeah. big point. Um, so something I said after the film, I was like, I like him, but I'm waiting for him to become Spider-Man, right? He is Spider-Boy. Uh, I don't know, what do you think? Do you, do you feel like he's kind of earned the title Spider-Man? Spider-Man. Yeah. Ah, that's a good point. I, I, I hear where you're coming from, and I... I agree, but I also like that because the whole thing about Spider-Man's character, he, he is a kid. He's this kid who's going through high school and dealing with like kid issues while also having the responsibility of being this neighborhood or when he joins the Avengers, sort of uh, interdimensional now, um, <laughs> like uh, protector. So yeah. I like that they started like in this second reboot they've started from this level we get to see more of his uh, it's like day-to-day uh life and uh the whole like tone around the film um work mm. and both films homecoming as well kind of works for me and i felt in this um uh in this film they really kind of got on that whole responsibility i mean that's the whole thing about spider-man with great power comes with great responsibility and needing to uh, rise up to that. So you yeah. even had that moment at the at the beginning. So after they've addressed like, you know, the Avengers are no more and, and you know, Tony Stark's dead and what's gonna happen, things kind of turn to Spider Man because he's the one who is almost like the highest ranking Avenger in a way, because, you know, you've there's no Black Widow, um uh, no Steve Rogers, yeah. yeah, he's you know I don't know in a park feeding ducks or whatever uh, he's doing now. Iron Man's dead, so yeah, and you see that attention kind of turn to Spider-Man and that moment in the fundraiser when they're asking him questions and he's not ready for that responsibility mm-hmm. uh, and he he runs away. So then you see really over the over the film it kind of gets that theme around responsibility because he. He, as he leaves, he doesn't want to take his suit, and it's only because Aunt May packs it that he's got it with him. Um, but then you even see that, I guess, internal struggle where he just wants to leave that responsibility, at least for now, and just be a normal kid with his mm-hmm. friends and with MJ, but keep um, keep having to, or he keeps having to, like, basically answer this call, uh, literally in the case of Nick Fury, but answer the call of responsibility where he's got to step up and uh, and and win the day. So I quite like that they they have him as a kid, because then you kind of see, you feel like you know what he's up against as as this kid having to do all these amazing things to um, be a hero. I think it does make it more real, and it it raises the stakes like dramatically. Yeah. Because like for me, you know, as I'm an adult, right? So like I I'm looking at it and thinking this kid is just he's not got his head screwed on. Like, you know, he hasn't got his priorities straight. Like, he needs a mentor, you know? Like, like it's obvious he does. Like, yeah. when he wants to, you know, he, he's he's taken to the base, speaking to Nick Fury about, you know, dealing with uh, these elementals and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you know what? Actually, I just want to chill out with my friends on holiday. I mean, what? Seriously? 
like after everything that happened in Endgame, and you just want to. Ch- I, don't get don't get me wrong, I get it, I get it. But at the same time, it was just that having that tension. I thought was really interesting. And what I'm looking for, um, I don't, I don't want to come across like I'm demanding or entitled. But what I'm looking for is to see that journey as he continually transitions into to kind of like manhood responsibility understanding the power that he actually has and understanding that he can't always get his way and i think there's a really good opportunity to play around with the idea that um you know you can't have your cake and eat it in this role and and whatnot but anyway we'll see what marvel does with with the character and the franchise um and i'm hoping that tom holland sticks around for a couple more films at least uh because i think that'll be a great payoff I think he's got, I mean, going into contracts, and I think he's contracted for one more. Like, Spider-Man mm. 3 is the last one in his current contract, so then it depends on whether, you know, they sign him up. But, I mean, I think he's doing a good job. Mm. He's one so of I'd my like favourite. No, no, sorry, scratch that. He's my favourite. He's a favourite. My favourite uh, Spider-Man. Out of the three? Out of the three. I haven't, okay. seen, the other, I haven't seen the middle guy. Garfield, <laughs> like, right? Andrew, yeah, Andrew Garfield. Ain't seen it. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I, I, I'll just say, yeah, Tom Holland's my favourite as well, uh, and leave it at that. So, so let's get into where some uh, more, uh, I guess, deeper things as far as it relates to the story. Yes. I'd like to ask you <laughs> about how the story relates to today with like the narrative uh, theme of truth and truth in the media, because uh, like obviously Mysterio had all of these drones and he was basically tricking everybody he was tricking everybody into thinking that you know all these crazy monsters could exist and were destroying everything and and whatnot and yeah what what, what are your thoughts on that man oh yeah i mean i i thought that was a, a good theme throughout the film and that's one of the things i really liked uh coming out of it how it was very um yeah it's very much like a I don't know, like a description of what's going on uh, today in, in different places where you have this whole concept of, you know, what is true and, um, and yeah, subjective truth or whatever you want to call it, post-truth. Uh, and I felt that came through in, like you said, with Mysterio sort of being the, the obvious one of that, um, where he's basically creating this whole, like, false narrative uh, for people to believe in him as a, as a hero. Uh, so I sort of picked it up as I was watching, but then even looking at other parts of the film, you kind of see it come through in, in larger and smaller ways. So you even had uh, that moment with uh, Brad, who is the the high schooler who had skipped, no, who had grown five years. Mm. So now he was five years older and he was, you know, sort of Peter's rival for MJ's affection. Can we just pause on that for just a second? Yeah, sure. Which bit? What did I say? The Brad. Oh, Brad. Are we going to address Brad? Oh, come on, man. Like, <laughs> is how is how is that even legal? No one raised a red flag on that. Yeah. That... You know what? It was one of those. So, just so I've got this. So he was because everyone who blipped came back, and they came back the same age, but then some people just didn't so they just grew five years and brad was one of those people so he's allowed to yeah i think so is he just allowed to restart with everyone else being five years older 
well this is this is this was where i was like no nah, this is dodgy because basically it's kind of like saying like you got dusted i i go off to college and yet somehow everyone comes back and i'm hanging around hanging out with you just because i knew you five years ago i'm sorry but you haven't matured i'm not gonna hang out with you like you know (laughs) that's the way i'd look at it but he for whatever reason wants to hang out with with little girls i mean you know (laughs) comparatively speaking Speaking. i just thought that was dodgy um yeah it was a i I guess like from a story perspective he was there to address the elephant in the room after endgame so i guess that that was his his purpose but yeah it it was a a bit weird especially like he was from what i can see wasn't he the only one so it wasn't like they had a few people like that it was like just him so that was kind of weird but yeah you kind of like skipped over it and just yeah accepted it and yeah, well, he's, he's on the trip too. I sure didn't accept. It. <laughs> All right, some people, not everyone, accepted it. But, but yeah, it, it made it works for the comedic effects of the film and and that whole plot with um, you know the love, well the supposed love triangle. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Also, how yeah. awkward was MJ? Oh my goodness. Yeah, they changed her character where because in the in the comics and in the cartoons, she's kind of the like very confident, uh, more out- outgoing, sort of pretty much out of Peter's league in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas here they've gone a different route and made her quite socially awkward, and um, which I quite like for the character. I thought she was funny. She had some good lines um, in it. But yeah, they definitely like switched character types with her. Mm. Maybe they're saving it for, for later when, when they all grow up. Oh, what, you think they'll change her character? Well, maybe she'll just kind of become a little bit more out of his league and then it's just like, you know, yeah. Could do. Could do. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, wait, we were on a point. You were, we like, were on a point. We've digressed. We were, pin, yeah, okay. we, were, we, were, we were kind of talking about the truth thing and the media. and. Oh, yeah. Oh, Brad. Yeah, that's how we got Brad. that. So, Brad, um, you know, weird age gap aside, uh, he had that moment where... Peter uh, and the Shield agent um, were away in that in that room, and she wanted him to change. Um, so he's in the process of changing. He comes in, sees Peter literally with his pants down, uh, takes a picture, and he has this line about, you know, he's obviously um, like made his own assumptions about what's going on taking a picture and then said to Peter, you know, I've got to show MJ because she has to know the truth or she shouldn't know the truth. Uh, and it's just the idea that he's just taking this picture out of context and presenting it as truth. So is that, mm. again, carrying that theme of like, what is truth? And then you had the moment later on towards the end where everyone, so you had, who's happy, uh, MJ, uh, Ned and... Ned's very short-term girlfriend, I think, uh, all in that room, about yeah. to be uh, discovered by the drone, and they have that moment where they all sort of reveal their truth or something about them um, that everyone didn't know. So again, you've got this whole concept, and then you have uh, Jonah Jameson at the the uh, first post-credit whatever scene, um, him just coming in and just straight out spreading disinformation just because he doesn't like Spider-Man. So he shows that doctored clip 
of Spider-Man presenting him as the villain, but presenting it as news, as truth. You have, uh, what, was, what else was there? Oh, yeah, and then you had, like, um, I can't remember what point this was, but Peter, like, finally confronting Aunt May and Happy about the truth of their relationship. So even has that line, you know, there's been a lot of deception and, uh, and so on. I just want you to you know, tell me what's really going on. So I like that they had the, this narrative theme that they really carried throughout the film in different ways. Uh, just from a storytelling perspective, I thought that was a, a really well done. And, and it wasn't like totally in your face as well. Because like, yeah. to be frank, I didn't even pick up any of that. Um, oh right, yeah. I just—it's one of those things that, and and that's the red way to do it because you don't. What you don't want is you don't want just characters giving a bunch of exposition about their point of view in the film, but you mm. want to take that concept and you want to kind of spread it throughout the film where you might not notice some or or all of the points, but it's kind of there and it makes up the fabric of the film. So it's mm. really, as I was leaving, I was thinking about like Mysterio and and the whole idea of. Uh, fake news. I've been trying to avoid saying that, but it's just put that out there of him creating this whole like, um, uh, like yeah, story around his his character and him being a great superhero. So I was thinking about that, but then I started thinking about all the other ways they were representing that uh, that theme mm-hmm. throughout the film. Yeah, I think it was um, definitely food for thought. I mean, I did wonder, like, what if someone actually got hold of this kind of technology? What would that mean for us? Oh, you mean like the drone technology? Yeah, with the holograms and stuff. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually, because like, if you think about it, um, and admittedly I didn't too much during the film, but when he first got the glasses and he was in the bus and he was looking at everyone and then their texts were coming up, mm. um, and then he almost like you know launched a drone attack on the whole bus and everything. So you have that idea of basically like invasion of privacy really mm. uh, and that wasn't really addressed too much in the film but it was a uh, a point where you could say like you know these glasses are quite invasive um and very easy to just look at other people's lives um so yeah if they had that technology which i'm sure someone somewhere is working on something like that you know what it reminded me of actually do you google goggles yeah, that's not what I was going to say, but yes, that. Um, actually, that's probably the, the scarier one because that actually exists. Uh, I was going to say something that doesn't exist, but uh, I was going to say The Dark Knight. And I don't know if you remember the point where um, they had a similar kind of invasion of privacy uh, as a way for sort of Batman to win at the end. Uh, so it's kind of a, a similar... I'm trying to remember the exact... Exactly. Do you remember that? No, I don't. If I'm being honest. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that look that up. But I remember, like, at the end, um, and there was kind of a conflict between um, Bruce Wayne and uh, whatever Morgan Freeman's character is. I'm trying to think, like, off the top of my head now. We're gonna have to look into that. But yeah, there was a moment where that had that same consideration about how how far do you invade people's privacy to ultimately like defeat the villain mm. but yeah google glasses is a much more real and uh, also scarier um thing yeah i got that wrong i think i said google goggles when i meant glasses 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because Google Goggles is also a thing, but they killed it. But I can't remember what it's for. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I've not, I haven't actually seen anyone using that at the moment. So yeah, they didn't get too much um, traction, so yeah, they kind of be quietly. Back. I think they are still around, but just used in a more selective, like places and with different types of industries. Hmm, interesting. One thing I'd like to talk about briefly is these elementals. Yep. Did a little bit of looking up on the elementals, and apparently, they are not the. They're not. They're not. Well, they are characters in the Marvel universe, but they're not the source characters, the, the ones from the film. I mean, so um, it looks like they've just sort of um, borrowed the elementals, but they're not actually the very same from uh, comics. The same oh, name. okay. Yeah. As in they're inspired by, you mean? Or... Yeah, yeah. It looks like they've just kind of plucked them out from other publications and kind of used them that way. Because I was kind of interested. I was like, hmm, I wonder if these are actual characters. Mm. You know, because to be fair, they were quite badass because they were pretty much going to kill the, the planet, just destroy the planet, you know? Yeah. Um, well, well, I yeah, couldn't. You thought that. There was one thing I couldn't quite understand though, which was a bit of a loophole. That the fire one, if I'm not mistaken, um, was a danger if it got into the Earth's core. Yeah. Yes. But didn't it come from the ground? So obviously, with the assumption they were not real, but I think the idea was that the more metal it consumed, the stronger it got. Therefore, if it gets into the Earth's core. It will become its strongest and unstoppable. Yeah. But you're saying, I think it just, I don't know what Beck's story was and where it came from, though. But, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember, but I swear in the film it came up from the ground, like the, the earth opened up and it came out, which would have suggested you were right where you needed to be. Needed so, to be, yeah, that's a good like, point. I don't know. I need <laughs> to watch it again. If anyone remembers, it'd be good if you could say, like, you know send us a comment or something but um i could have sworn they were all coming from like if it's water the sea or wherever so um that's yeah. a good point i think i need to, i need to i definitely need to watch it again keep an eye out for that another loophole how did the first couple of elementals even work so it almost seems as if um mysterio had some drones and yes. was doing this whole thing yeah Oh, so I think for the initial like projections, because uh, the final elemental was like everyone combined, and that's why you needed so many drones mm. uh, and Edith. But the individual ones required less because you had that moment where they were so after he his he'd been revealed and everyone his team and everything had uh, been revealed. You had a moment where they were kind of practicing or training or you know rehearsing. Yeah. I think is a better word. Uh, and they, yeah, they didn't have as many um, drones, so I guess he didn't need as many to do the individual ones. Mm. And then once he got Edith and then a hold of a, a bunch more drones, then they could do the bigger one. Hmm. Fair enough. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'll give him that. Then I'll let that slide. <laughs> he had some. You're but, welcome, you know, I, and he did work for Tony Stark, so. I guess he's got the brain power to to create yeah. some. 
Yeah, okay. and he had he had that whole uh, expositional thing, you know, where he, he kind of did the, that award ceremony acceptance speech where he thanked each member of the team. Yeah, I loved that see... scene, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, what I liked about it, actually, they had, they pointed out the people and they linked back to the past of the MCU, so other films in the MCU. Um, and I quite like that, just from a, I guess, universe building, how just everything links and even in that little moment they're like oh this guy that was at this moment like matters now kind of mm. thing so i quite like that how it tied everything together and and well i don't want to get too ahead of myself but it seems like things are going to continue with him somehow oh what mysterio mm. yeah i guess in some way and that yeah kind of goes to the the end uh end credit scenes so mm. yeah yeah so what did you think about that it kind of yeah exposed everything so i guess for those that don't know the uh and you should because you should have stayed to watch by now you pretty much know the drill like stay to the end if it's, <laughs> if it's a marvel film but you had the uh the first um after credit scene where you had uh, Mysterio essentially out Peter Parker as Spider-Man. So mm. Peter Parker is, he was swinging through in a moment that is, if you've played the, the latest Spider-Man game on the PlayStation 4, will look very reminiscent of that suit included. Um, so he's, you know, flying around with MJ, drops her off, and then they see the, you know, the last kind of, words from Mysterio where he yeah says Peter Parker is Spider-Man uh, and then that just blows over blows open everything because now everyone knows his secret and what's going to happen with him so it's an interesting direction they're taking that yeah I'm really really curious as to what they do with that and how they explain it um, I mean yeah I reckon there's ways he could kind of explain a way that he's not um, but yeah, people... you think that's what they're going to do? They're going to he won't because with Iron Man, you have that moment, you know, the first Iron Man where he just says, I am Iron Man, and he owns it. Um, but I wonder if you know, is Peter going to try and do that, or like you say, is he gonna, you know, try and say, actually, no, 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 I don't know, you know, what's he talking about? I'm not, I can't be Spider Man. Mm, that's a good point. I feel like he, he has to go into hiding somehow. <laughs> somehow it'd be interesting because he's got his own issues already um i know a lot of people won't even believe it as well so unless he's got video evidence that it's peter parker yeah yeah i think it, it should be okay but the only way i can see this falling apart is because i reckon once that's out people are going to start asking questions and they're going to start asking questions of the people around him now i think aunt may can stand up to some scrutiny uh i think mj could stand up to some questioning i feel like ned would break and his secrets out yeah that's true ned would probably break yeah. i mean but then he could always call um what's his face nick fury and just cover this whole thing up okay could do that yeah actually speaking of nick fury mm. the last um real end credit scene revealed Nick Fury to be a scroll and he was never there. Yeah. He was never so, there. 
which which actually there's a very important point I I'd like to bring up on this. If yeah. You don't mind. He was quite aggressive in this film, didn't you find? He was, yeah, yeah. He was he he felt like I mean, is there's always been a, an edge of Samuel Jackson in it, but I felt this was the most Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury that we've seen. Yeah, exactly. And and then when I saw those end credits, I was like, it makes sense now because it didn't seem quite like him. Yeah, and I was I wondering you... if that was deliberate or not. I don't know. I felt like it was though. Yeah, I was. It did pop into my mind because there were a few moments where he just seems especially agitated mm. um, and then you kind of you reveal that and I maybe it was intentional because I'm just thinking about this now but when he was first revealed no actually before no was it before he was revealed yeah just after he was revealed as a scroll and then you go to where he really is and he's actually relaxed at this you know beach simulation thing and he's mm. chilled so maybe it was kind of um, like contrast between this aggressive Nick Fury and actually he's not really like that. He's just chilling somewhere while this imitation is walking around. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that is also a hint of something else. Um, the fact that he's in space at the moment, potentially will he appear in um, at the next four film or even Guardians? Seeing as he's out there in the kind of yeah. space air place, I don't know what you call it. I guess just space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Endgame, they kind of and Infinity War, they they opened up the the universe, like literally going to different planets and everything. So I feel this is some kind of hint. I'm not sure what exactly, but some kind of hint towards just expanding the mm. Marvel universe. Uh, and also involving uh, the scrolls, so then that could tie into like the next phase or the next even two phases when they do, you know, after they introduce the new characters, yeah, uh, and then work towards the next crossover. I feel like this will play a big part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite interested to see what they do. Uh, can we talk a tiny bit about the next phase, just a little bit? Yeah, because we did have thoughts initially after Endgame and where that was going uh, I feel it might be a little bit more um, into that now but what were, you, what were you thinking? Well it's just this idea of like their lineup and, and like you know where they're taking everything um, so I mean from what I saw of the, uh, the announcement it was just like wow there's I mean, I think it's is it up to twenty twenty one? They pretty much yeah end of end of twenty twenty one. I think like ten or so projects across uh, cinema and their new Disney Plus streaming service. Yeah. So I I mean, with all of that said, there's quite a lot that's missing. <laughs> um, if you think about it, um, so and, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm I think there's like a really good lineup but yeah. like, for example um you're gonna like be wondering well where's black panther for example oh no so where's the Guardians? san diego comic-con they announced new stuff stuff black, Pan- black panther 2 already confirmed guardians 3 already confirmed uh but, but is it in but it's not coming until when exactly oh timing i don't know but it's in they're in that 
Phase 4. Oh, really? As far as I know, yeah. So that... Uh, hmm. Actually, I, I, thought, I thought this was the timeline. That's a good point, actually. Might need to double-check that. But I feel like those ones are already, like, in the mix. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, despite... obviously, we, we know there's going to be, like, a new... Uh, Cap- like, Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. Okay. Um. Oh, goodness. I'm looking at a, an image right now, actually. Uh, I could be way off here. But it's claiming... Oh, man, I hope this is legitimate. I don't know. I can't trust this. <laughs> you know, you go on the web... Well, I mean, it's on the internet, a... so it must be true. Yeah, I mean, all right. So they're basically saying Spider-Man Academy, Doctor Strange... Illuminati, um, Guardian of the Galaxy Volume 3, you've got Black Widow, you've got Mighty 4, Fantastic Four, um, basically the Wasp, Escape oh, from wow. the Universe. Wait, that Black... sounds, because that's stuff that hasn't, that sounds like speculation. Yeah, some of this sounds like proper yeah. speculation. Because Kevin Feige did mention um, Fantastic Four and X Men, but it wasn't like a, it's confirmed, it's coming. Yeah, this is at, at this point. This is definitely someone's fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at right here. Hey man, they, they made it to the top of Google, so kudos. Yes. <laughs> that's, all, that's all the credibility you need these days. Wow. But yeah, I, th- I think stuff like that is obviously they're going to make a Fantastic Four film. That's not a surprise. The only thing is like when and when, how it yeah. fits in, how they're going to be introduced, and what is going to be, I guess, in this Phase Four, and then what's going to lead into phase five like beyond 2021 yeah okay so i've got i've got a more credible source up this is uh marvel cinematic universe.fandom.com um and it seems a little bit more reputable and they've basically got what we already know black widow the eternals um shang chi yeah doctor strange for love and thunder um and then the tv shows of course falcon and the winter soldier wandavision Loki, Wyeth, and Hawkeye. Yeah, that's uh, all the stuff that was announced. Oh, man. You know, because I'm not a TV guy, man. I'm really not excited about this. Because um, I don't want to have to watch TV shows, basically. Call me lazy, whatever. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm excited. I'm intrigued. Um, the Netflix Marvel shows were, on the whole, really good. Mm. Um, so I'd be, I'm definitely interested to see what Disney do with uh, now it's all in-house, uh, quote unquote. So uh, I, I hear that enthusiasm, and I would be excited too, if not for the fact I have a feeling I'm. If I really want to know what's going to happen, yeah. I really want to kind of stay with it. I, it. Looks like I have to invest in all of these, and from what I understand, that they're, they're going to make this phase more integrated than the last ones. So you really well, will miss out if you don't watch Loki. I guess it's how they do it really because so with the next netflix stuff you that it was unconnected to the mcu um obviously because you have got sort of Mm. netflix producing that and then uh disney producing the mcu stuff over here so i guess now it's all being done under the same umbrella they can make it more interconnected but Mm. i mean if they were i if they're smart the way i think they should do it is the TV shows, you shouldn't need to watch them to enjoy. Like, you shouldn't need to watch 
something in the, the cinema universe to enjoy the TV universe and vice versa, mm. even though they are going to be more interconnected. Because then I would just, I guess, reduce, like you just said, like the pressure on people feeling like, oh, now I have to invest in all these shows yeah. before I go and see something at the cinema. You should but, still just be able to watch something at the cinema and enjoy that without having to invest, like, I don't know how they're going to do it, but, you know, sort of 10, 13, 45 minute uh, episodes of a series before you can go and get your cinema ticket. Yeah, I reckon they probably won't make you watch them in that way. But I guess what I'm really kind of pointing toward is this idea of the big bad that will most likely come at the end. Unless they have no big bad at the end of this oh, okay. kind of whole thing. But I'd be surprised if they didn't because that's just kind of the Marvel way. Yeah. So in saying that, I think it will be one of those situations where if you want to get the most out of this climactic moment, you ought to watch everything. Um, yeah. Outside of that, they'll stand on their own, sort of thing. Yeah, and I think that to a certain extent, that's just mirroring comics. So there are titles you could just read, but if you want the the full experience, then you you know there's a lot more time investment. So mm. I, I guess just how much they, how much of that they translate over to a, a cinema TV experience, because obviously the the comic reading audience is different from the TV slash cinema audience. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much of that, you know, your average cinema goal will, will stand for. But it does add to the experience if, you know, you do get all this, like, backstory and context. So, yeah, I think they all, you know, I'm, I, to be honest, at, at this point, I'm, I, I, feel, I feel they know what they're doing. So I'm giving them the benefit of any doubt that they can make this work without putting too much of a burden on people. Uh, but yeah. I guess we will see. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. Just just not so much for the TV because um, okay. Yeah, I, I reckon I could invest in maybe one or two. Um, Loki's looking good to me. I'm also interested in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, I know this has got nothing to do with Black Panther, but when I heard what when I heard the, the announcement of Wonder Vision, <laughs> yeah, um, I was my mind went. Wakanda. Oh wow! <laughs> what's what's this? Is this some kind of spinoff? It's, no, it's not, is it? No, um, definitely not. Yeah, it's not Wakanda Vision. That would have just been amazing, though, right? I'd watch that. Though. I'd watch. Yeah. <laughs> that would have just I'd been mad. Wakanda Vision. Anyway, so enough of me and my my silly fantasies of uh, fake TV shows by Marvel. Um, fake news. I think we should uh, maybe kind of share a few story tips at this point hmm? yeah sure let's do it so uh i was trying to think about what exactly we could talk about you know for for far from home from a storytelling perspective and when i was thinking about a film one of the things that sort of hit me is the way Peter ultimately wins uh, and the way that's done as relates to his character and in particular his sort of character weakness let's say Mm -hmm. Um, so if you remember you had that moment um, when he thinks he's defeated Mysterio um, but it's actually another illusion and the way he is able to detect that is trusting what uh, Aunt May calls his, his Peter Tingle. 
uh, or spider sense. I'm going to go with Peter Tingle. But yeah, so he kind of trusts himself. And I realized that was a, like a theme that I'd played back through the whole film where you have him unsure of himself as an Avenger and mm. not trusting. So you've got that and then also not trusting his, his spider sense. Um, and that, because you don't see too much of it uh, throughout the film and, and particularly in that really well done illusion uh, scene where he's just, yeah, he's just all over the place in that and, and it's not working. So to see him then trust it, uh, get it working and use it to defeat Mysterio, um, getting around that last illusion uh, was something I particularly liked. So I guess from a storytelling perspective, what it, it does, it, it, it links like the, it links the idea of the character, the protagonist achieving his goal through like self-revelation, um, which is more, at least for me, is like more satisfying than, because what they could have done is just had the, the big CGI fight, which is something that does plague a lot of uh, superhero films. And it, it, I mean, they have it. It's not to say they don't have it. They do have the, the, um, the combined elemental and the, the him swinging through all the drones, and that looked great. But I feel from mm. a story perspective, you then need actually how does this character uh, overcome his weakness, his flaw uh, to win in the end? And if you can tie that, the moment of revelation to him actually winning, then you get like a satisfying ending. So another example uh, that I particularly liked in the MCU was with Captain America Civil War, where you know, you, you've got this um, this division between the Avengers and you do have the big battle at the airfield, which is great. That was a great moment. But then what really made it, like, uh, like solidified that as a, as a good film to me is then they then took it to the, the personal level between Captain America um, and Iron Man, um, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and whether, you know, the whole, like, how... Uh, his parents died and and did he know and and just that personal uh, animosity to each other and that just made it like a uh, more satisfying kind of uh, end so yeah mm-hmm. so I guess the the thing I'm kind of trying to pull out here is for people writing their stories where you want to your character has to be overcoming something through the story uh, so they've got this weakness, got, they've got this thing that is, that is stopping them internally because uh, you're always going to have your external factors, but internally is stopping them from achieving their goal. So as they go through, as they learn, as they grow, they try, they fail, they try again. Once they do overcome and have that moment of self-revelation, you then tie that to the moment that they ultimately win and you're having that satisfying ending without needing to necessarily go like big and just have a a massive battle that doesn't really relate to the character and their motivations yeah and i think there's like a a real life lesson there and and this is why we we actually like films i think this is my my thinking anyway it's this idea of our our, the things that kind of hold us back in life um there are there are weaknesses but we don't think they're that much of a big deal so we leave them or they're too much to deal with for now. Um, but then they end up becoming the very things that will almost kill us and mm. and cause us to completely 
lose. So it's only by addressing those things inside of us that, you know, are actually holding us back now uh, in a very real and physical way that we can then move forward in life. So I think that's, that's, I believe, why it resonates so much with people when we see those kind of um, overcoming struggles occur. I mean, one great example of that is Neo from The Matrix 1. I had to specify one. Hey, man. Hey, you know what? I'm actually a fan of two um, through and through. I've watched it even recently, but let's not go there. Um, okay. it, 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 it's more from fandom than anything else. Okay. So, <laughs> but in, in the first film, though, we see Neo have to overcome an internal struggle. Um, and in fact, the funny thing about that film, not to kind of go too off track, but it's a good example. And if you haven't seen The Matrix 1, then just go watch it. But right, What are you doing if you haven't seen The Matrix? Where have you been? You know, like we have to acknowledge that our audience may um, not have been born when that film came out. You know, some people, so, you know, oh, okay. some well, of them now, anyhow. Now I just feel old, but. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Showing our age. But yeah, yeah, go watch The Matrix 1. And if you've got, you know, maybe some time to kill maybe consider watching two probably don't watch three um (laughs) (laughs) you know just leave it there um and you should be okay but um yeah it's just like that he actually comes to a realization uh sooner than we would would have anticipated as as kind of the audience um so i won't say what happens but go watch it if you haven't seen it or if you have seen it and you just want to see this in action, Go, just go back and watch The Matrix and watch how his internal struggle is dealt with. And it actually is something that comes up throughout the film quite a few times. Um, and they, they, they quite ingeniously bring it up and then use it very powerfully at the end of the film, which is why it lands so well. And it's why you can watch it again and again and again, because it's a timeless truth that uh, when we overcome the internal struggles that we're facing, then like it just brings about a very satisfying ending yeah. for us because we can basically achieve anything, do anything, etc., etc. Uh, and Spider-Man did that very well. And that was actually, a, I, I that was definitely the the climactic scene of the film, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think you know, you add that with Tom Holland and his the way he kind of portrayed Peter Parker. Um, you know, you didn't really know for sure. I mean, apart from the fact that it's a film and it tends to happen, but you didn't really know for sure if he was really going to amount to anything or if he was really going to step up to the plate. Um, and he did. And and in doing it that way, it was just all the more powerful. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, still want him to grow up, though. Still, <laughs> he's getting there. He's getting there. There's only two <laughs> films. He's got, he's got a whole Spider-Man 3 to grow up. I think I do think the Spider-Man three will be because the first two were very comedic and mm. like teen drama, which is is fine. It works for the character. Um, I feel there's going to be a moment where the tone's going to shift and things are going to get real, and he's going to have to grow up. That's just my guess. Yeah, I imagine it. It might be the way for this next one. Yeah. Um, do you have any predictions for who the bad guy will be? Ooh, you know what? I'd like to see. And what I've seen online is the idea of the sinister stick. Get my sinister six. There you go. That's what I was trying to say. Flipping heck, man! And that's just like seeing them, even from like the game. um, Yeah, and just again raising the stakes on 
Peter Parker and having to face off there because you've already got because uh, you've got Vulture who I guess is still in prison in all this um, and I'm sure at the end of Homecoming it hinted at Scorp- uh, Scorpion um, so I mean they're, they're out there they're out there they just bring them together and make a film yeah that's um, that's going to be pretty bad that's going to be pretty bad Doctor Ock, Electro, Craven, Mysterio, Sandman, and Vulture. Yep. You know, it actually changes. I'm just because I love to do like quick checks on Google. Google's amazing, guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it actually changes. There's about. Wow. The Sinister 66. Oh my days. <laughs> Calm down, people. It's, there's basically like nine versions. Oh, okay. Also. Yeah, well, there's I mean... quite. As long as they've got Doc Ock and any of the both of yes, both of the goblins goblins and I'm I'm happy. Yeah, flipping that. Yes, it's, uh, that would be really good. Yeah, that's a good shout. And to be honest though, I almost feel like <laughs> like if it was the, the Spider Man universe, I feel like they could work their way up to the Sinister Six and that would be a very good climactic end to the mm. Spider Man universe, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But because it's the MCU, I feel like, do they really have the time? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? To build up to this point. Because you almost want to savor like, the individual battles and fights and then have that massive showdown where they all try and take him down. True. So, Yes, mm. we'll see. Yeah, if it was a TV show, certainly they could pull it off. Yeah, because then you've got a longer time. But you kind of have to, yeah pick your battles literally pick your battles yeah um, as to what will fit into the the films and to be honest that's if spider-man was a tv show that's one show i would probably watch mm. as long as they could there do it go. well disney mm. you have your orders <laughs> so um ba-bum, 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 ba-bum. it's time for the listener feedback So we've finally got some questions and this time we have a question from I hope I'm going to say this name right but Coda Kitty on Instagram slash Twitter and the question is what is our favorite funny moment in the movie Nigel Oh favorite funny moment um so I the one that did just immediately pop out into my head is the whole so Peter's plan of being alone with MJ so he can confess his feelings and then um, him telling that to Ned who's like oh I thought we were just going to be like you know bachelors going to Europe Um, they're going to love us there and then when they get to the plane and they you know do a little uh, shuffle uh, he ends up coming off the plane with a girlfriend He's like, actually, no, <laughs> we're, we're together now. Like, I don't know how that happened, but we're together now. And suddenly they're all adult. Um, and then having that end with when they come back, like, I actually know we're split up. You know, some people, sometimes people grow apart. So that whole dynamic, uh, there's this weird dynamic of, uh, of Ned. Ned, I think pretty much anything with Ned uh, in the film was funny. 
but that was uh, that was my funniest moment. Yeah, I gotta agree. Um, that that really like was just having me cracking up, especially yeah. because of the way they set it up as well. Because he was yeah. almost like you know playing the video games, and she was so not impressed. And then yeah. <laughs> next thing you know, it's just like you know, hey We're honey, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's he's a good character, I've got to say. Um, I think yeah. the, the only person that comes close is um, Ant-Man's sidekick friend. Um, I oh, find that guy yeah. maybe ever so slightly funnier, if I'm being honest. Uh, but Ned's up there. Yeah, yeah, they are two of the funnier characters in the MCU. Mm, so, next question is, is Far From Home better or worse than Homecoming? Ooh. What do you think? I think, oh man, I, I liked Far From Home, but you know what? The problem is, um, I think I'm saying Far From Home because of Endgame. Wait, explain that. So, it's, because I've been hyped up, haven't I? Oh, I've been okay. hyped up, I'm I'm kind of on this Marvel high now, and I'm like, wow, you know, this is just the best man all these films all these characters oh we've got another spider-man film oh, okay let's go for it and it landed well so i'm there thinking actually yeah this was a really good film and i'm waiting for the next one now because they've kind of done the usual kind of sprinkle a little bit of um oh i can't say that word on the show but they, they basically put some sugar um <laughs> okay, on, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to work out what you're gonna say on the end on oh, okay. the end of the film so you come back for more basically yeah um yeah so like it's kind of like oh my goodness um yeah i actually do want to see more spider-man i want to see what happens next um and as a result i come away with more of a sense of uh you know satisfaction and want than i did from homecoming with homecoming it was more mm, introduced the guy it was a good film Mm, quite like spider-man in this this kind of phase you know and i'll look out for him later but i wasn't excited you know, so did this one kind of had me a little bit more excited and, you know, just kind of seeing his journey and his whole arc with MJ as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd have to say this one on for those reasons, although it's a little bit biased because it's a bit loaded. Hmm. I, f- I feel like I agree with you. But so my thing is, I feel that Homecoming had a better villain. Um, far from home. Oh, also, by the way, it took me a while to realize they're working in home into the titles of these uh, films. I didn't, did not pick up on that when uh, Far From Home was first announced. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the question. Um, so Far From Home, I feel, had a, a just better pacing. And like I was saying with the storytelling tip, I like the way they resolved that um, and gave Peter that self-revelation that helped him uh, defeat Mysterio. So... And just, yeah, just the, the pacing. And what I like about Far From Home um, is they... So obviously you've, you've got Endgame and like the massive stakes in that. But they've managed to make Spider-Man have lower stakes. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, you know, the fate of the world isn't um, uh, under threat here. But still be compelling. Um, a compelling film to watch. And I feel that's something that, say, like... Uh, Captain Marvel, as much as I like that, didn't quite get. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why, but um, because I, I felt the stakes there weren't as high and I was less invested, 
whereas the stakes in Far From Home weren't as high also. But I was more invested. Mm. I don't know if that's just like the pacing of the film, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll give the, the villain to Homecoming, but the overall story um, and better film to Far From Home. Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. Cool. Well, it is now the end of the show, unfortunately. Um, but we'd just like to round off with a few announcements if you're a usual listener or a regular listener it's probably a better way of putting it um you you know all this stuff but i have to say it because it's good to know so um our podcasts are going to be released on patreon first 24 hours later on soundcloud so do support us and you'll get the episode plus the opportunity to help and develop the show early um and also do check out our own stories that are available on the website. That's uh, myameta.com forward slash manga. And you can also get our manga directly from us at up and coming comic book conventions. Finally, uh, just a reminder, we are going to be doing workshops across different uh, boroughs over summer, the creativity workshops. And um, also, if you're a gamer, don't forget to check out our next GamePad event. And that will be GamePad.events. Also, I have an announcement to make. If there was like a drum roll sound. Yeah, we need to, can we, I don't know, put that in here maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so unfortunately, this is my last show hosting unless i come on as a guest host one day which you never know could happen um <laughs> i'm actually i'm actually moving on from maya Meta, so this is actually uh my last show uh, as an official maya Meta member of the team um and it's been about i'm just gonna say 10 years because it's a nice round number um <laughs> i think it has been at least 10 years in different in, yeah guises and yeah yeah um, so it's been quite a journey and um, I've really enjoyed it and I want to say a big thanks to Nigel and to just everyone that has supported us um, obviously shout out to Penali as well, it's kind of the original free um, oh and actually there was one one other person I really want to shout out to if I can remember their name, can you remember that guy's name? the guy that did the first chef oh our first Oh man, this is really bad, and it's all being recorded that we've forgotten. I've forgotten um, his name. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, to, to be honest, he kind of ghosted us. So you know, like if you're listening, <laughs> why did you ghost us, man? I, I thought it kind of went off to a great start. We were I was really excited. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, it's been a long journey. Um, we've we've created some great characters, universes, great T-shirts. We put on so many cool events, um, and uh, unfortunately, yes, I am I'm moving on. But I do want to say a big thanks to everyone that's been supporting. Please continue to support Maya Meta. I know I will, and um, I won't be too far away. Um, obviously, I'm good friends with Nigel, so we'll be keeping in touch. And uh, yeah, like I said, you may catch me as a guest on a show. Who knows? Depends if they let me on. To be honest, um, yeah, but. We'll take um, <laughs> with management yeah see what they say 
But <laughs> saying all of that, um, we won't be leaving you without a co-host. We're going to be handing over to the wonderful Tazzy, who isn't on today, unfortunately. But um, for those of you that have been following the podcast, then you probably know her well. Um, and yeah, I think she's going to do an amazing job and looking forward to following along with her at the helm. So that is all. Yeah. Thank you. Drop that. Got that bombshell on people at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel. Deal with that. So, Nigel, what's happening on the next show, my friend? So, the next show is going to be oh, what we're we going to be discussing Toy Story. So, we're going to be talking Toy Story with uh, Alexa and Lara, who are the hosts of the Manga Forum podcast. So, I've been on their show a couple times. Um, I've think we've all seen toy story if not we will have and mm-hmm. um, we're just going to be looking at the latest film and i guess the franchise as a whole and just giving our thoughts on that as well mm-hmm. as obviously more storytelling tips with yeah myself um tazzy and uh, our guests awesome and i'm i'm so like biting my tongue not to say anything because i just saw the film um, ah. But I guess I can always put in my questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, questions. Yeah. On that note, um, our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. And we release episodes twice a month, Tuesdays on Patreon and 24 hours later on SoundCloud, just like I said before. And you can check us out at mymatter.com forward slash podcast. So that is me bowing out and we look forward to hearing from you next time we'll see you guys later see ya